Hello, and welcome to another episode of the State of the Nova Nation. This is the second half of our extensive men's basketball preview series. Shout out to Brendan Riley for joining us on Tuesday to break down our non-conference schedule. Today, we also still have a crowded booth. I'm Eugene Rapay. I'm with Chris Danziel and Chris Lane. I guess for today's purposes, I will be referring to the stands and Chris. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you got to differentiate somehow. I'm, I'm on board with it. I'm, I'm going my... to mess that up immediately. How are you doing, Chris? How is everything? We're good, man. I'm happy to be on. Um, uh, you know, it's there's nothing better than coming on to a good thing. You guys have been doing a great job for several years, and then you, you throw a wild card into the mix. Uh, it, it's only down from here. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. You have full disclosure. Do whatever you want. No, don't don't say that. You don't you don't want that. All right. All right. Yeah. Hopefully, all Mike right. doesn't get us fired or whatever the case may be. <laughs> we all have we all have a boss, and he's, yeah. and he and he's in Hawaii, so we actually can do whatever we want. Cool. Okay. Great. I'm on board with it. Let's do it. So we're gonna break down the Big East conference schedule and everything about it today. But first, before we get to that, we have to get to some fan questions that we missed last time because our mailman was a little lost, but I think we got everything back in order for this beautiful Thursday morning. First one is actually from Mike. I guess he sent it while he was on vacation. I'm setting the over-under for a number of games coached in a three-piece suit at five and a half. Where's your bit? Well, uh, I guess we're going to have somebody that tracks that, so that's good. Not going to be me, but if we have somebody tracking that, I'll go over. I, I think uh, Jay likes to dress it up when we get into March, Big East Tournament, NCAA Tournament. Sometimes under the lights on the weekend when he's in a big city, he goes for that look. So I, I think that's an easy over. Yeah, I'm, th- I'm, th- I'm taking the over as well. You don't think he'll, he'll be wearing a three-piece suit for Nickel State, do you? Come no, no that, that, could be like, that, that could be one of those dress-down games. Like, <laughs> get the rare sweatsuit for that, just, just warm it up. Fair enough. Do we know the number, how, how many times he wore a three-piece suit last year? Do we have an official count on that? Do we, do we know? Just off the top of your head, we don't, we don't have to go looking it up. Oh, you might have no, to bring no, Ryan Shackman yeah. out of retirement. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I was going to take the under, but then Chris made a great point in that Maybe we're going to go really far, so we're going to have a lot of games. So he's got to dress up. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'll take the over. Originally, I was going to say under at five, exactly. But I'm, I'm hopping over to the over. You guys convinced me. Cool. The second question is from Nova News. Favorite freshman so far? Uh, are we counting Amari Spellman as a freshman? <laughs> I, I think we can all assume that he'd be our favorite freshman. So we're going we're gonna to hold him aside, and we're going to go with the three true freshman newcomers. Well, considering there really hasn't been much to evaluate so far, um, I'm just going to go with Jermaine Samuels because he is the highest ranked and does have the most potential, in my opinion. Yeah, that yeah. that uh, I think based on you know 40 minutes of basketball, that that's the easy call. He he clearly is going to get playing time. Um, I think he was north of 20 minutes in that game, so he he's solidly in the rotation. Uh, seems like a guy that is very, very good on defense, um, very athletic, very advanced uh, from a physical standpoint for his age. So shouldn't probably have too much of a problem matching up with, with older players this early in his career. Whereas I think, you know, uh, Dada probably, uh, I actually thought he looked fairly good and active and, and, you know, was a little bit invisible, which is maybe what you want from a, from a role player like him in early in his career. And then Gillespie, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I, 
I, I remember you guys on the pod a couple of weeks ago, just talking about like over over expectations for him and people are hyping him up. And I kind of agree. I think I think the smarter thing with him would be just give him a little bit of time. Don't expect too much. And we'll probably be pleasantly surprised with what he brings. Yeah, I'm gonna have to agree with you both. Not really buying into the Arch 2.0 hype, but I will take the Jermaine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on. He's white and he's a point guard. He's Arch. And he, he's gritty. I hear too. Real gritty. Big gamer. Big game time player. Cerebral. You know, come on. Blue guy. First one in, last one out. Oh, <laughs> yes. That's my favorite. That was the Tim Tebow description right there. <laughs> First one in, last one out. Oh, I, I just want to clarify something because Brendan Riley actually brought it up to us off air last episode. Apparently, I said a couple of weeks ago that I, that Jermaine Sh- Samuels should redshirt. I am completely sorry for ever suggesting that. I thought I said Crosby Roundtree at some point. But I, I never meant for Samuels to ever register. I completely botched that one. <laughs> I don't know why I said that. It, it was a universal spike of the phone for, for everybody listening to this. Oh. And now you know why we were gone for a week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> I felt really bad when he pointed that out. Third question is from good old Ramon Usategi. Starting five against Columbia, question mark. So this one is, I guess, probably a little up in the air because of the starting lineup we saw against Drexel, which was what? It was Brunson, Booth, Gillespie, gosh, who else was it? Spellman and Pascal, I want to say. And and that's probably not going to be the starting lineup. Actually, Pascal didn't even start. I think they said him and Bridges had a test, so they were, weren't going to be there in time, so they just played it safe. So knowing that, I think uh, my pick would be Brunson's the obvious one. Uh, I think you can slot Bridges in there as well uh, pretty easily. I would start Booth ahead of DiVincenzo. I think I actually might start Dante ahead of Booth, just given the health concerns, but I think Jay usually goes with uh, seniority in this case, assuming everyone's healthy. And I would finish it off with... Pascal and Spellman. Probably named six players there. I mean, I'm in the same ballpark. Brunson, Booth, Bridges, Spellman, Pascal. That's that's the five. Yeah, and you know, I might even like, I could be convinced for uh, Pascal to come off the bench and start Dante instead. I just I can't get over Jay seems to ride the the experience and, and reward guys who have been in the program and put in the time. And I actually love you know Br- Bridges or, or Pascal before. I, I really don't even care. I think right. they're both they both bring different things to the table. But I lean just trying to get into Jay's mind. Dante probably coming off the bench. Yeah, I'd have to agree with that. Yeah, as much as I personally would like to see Divincenzo over Booth, I think he just values seniority too much. So that starting five sounds pretty good to me. You're such a lot. yes man tonight, Eugene. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm <laughs> like, God. <laughs> I'm going to have to come in with the hot takes now. <laughs> Peyton Hex, starter. Book it. <laughs> <laughs> Question number four from Lenny Bex. Do you see Dada, Painter, or Delaney emerging at backup center when Amari is out and we're not playing small ball with Pascal at the five? I think he might go with Painter at first, but if Cosby Ranji isn't redshirting I, I think he might eventually take over that backup role I just kind of feel that he has more to gain by using him than Painter we, we kind of saw what Painter did last year and he was okay at times but he for the most part he was just very eh. but at, at the same time you don't know what to expect from Cosby Roundtree yet so it's one of those two I thought the Drexel game was pretty revealing and and Jay talked about afterwards that he you know he's really 
looking just to see what his new guys had and trying to figure out different lineups and experiment with different combinations. And that's frankly the right way to handle an exhibition. But I thought it was pretty telling that I think Painter didn't even get any run until almost midway through the second half, which was frankly a little surprising to me and, and maybe is indicative of, of what's happening there with him in the rotation. So I think one, as always, matchups are going to dictate it. So if we're playing a, a team that is trotting out a couple of you know, more traditional post players and is rolling with that kind of lineup, I do think Painter has got a good purpose there, just soaking up minutes, banging in the post and, and you know, providing more of that traditional defensive presence. And I, you know, my preference, I think I would agree with, with Chris that, that really, I think we're better served by going small. And so even if you're saying Pascal isn't going to be in that small ball five role, I think you'll probably see Dada or, or even Bridges play that kind of non-traditional five and, and try to space teams out and take advantage of that because we're, we're so good playing that way that, that I hate kind of kowtowing to, to the way another team wants to play. As far as Delaney goes, I just don't really see him getting into the rotation. Like I, I hate saying it because I'm rooting for him and it's starting to feel like one of those we'll never know just because of, of the injuries he's had and it's it's awful. But again, didn't see the court during Drexel, not totally sure of his health status. Villanova's obviously traditionally pretty tight lipped with that stuff. So it would be great if, if he could get into that rotation. I do think he provides another viable option with some size up front, but it just doesn't feel like that's going to happen. I hate to say it, but... I think Delaney's career might be looking pretty bleak. I don't know what his health status is. Of course, obviously, like you said, they're very tight-lipped about it. They don't really reveal too much. But it's been a couple years now, two surgeries, I think. We haven't really seen him much on the court. I'm rooting for him. You know, you want to see the kid. As someone who has suffered a lot of injuries over the last couple (laughs) years, I can totally relate to where he's coming from. And um, I would love for him to, to get out there, but I just... I just don't really see it, I, and I don't see him overtaking Dada or Painter. But I think in that role, I do see Painter taking the backseat to Dada probably over time. That's probably what's going to end up happening. Yeah, he. I think he's just got the versatility that that we're looking for, and you know, Painter can play that one role. But if if the game doesn't call for it, I think it's going to limit his minutes. Will Schrieffer thinks that Jermaine Samuels could be the five. (laughs) There's the hot take, but you blamed it on somebody else. Yeah, so Will on Twitter told us that he thinks Jermaine Samuels can be a small ball five, which I'm a big Will fan. We were were talking before we got started here about how much we love uh, Will's work, if you are listening. Uh, Shout out to Will. But that one might be a little too far into crazy town for me. I think maybe eventually, depending on how he develops as a player, he's he's kind of your traditional wing now. A lot of people comparing him to Josh Hart when he first came onto campus. And you know, Josh Hart did develop into the kind of guy who could defend multiple positions on the court and play inside and take on quicker as outside. It might be a little early for, for us to bank on Jermaine giving us that kind of that kind of role. And if they did go with a small ball lineup, you would think that Bridges would be on the court for that, right? So I would think he would be more of the five, if anything. And, you know, it's so funny, like, right? Like, one play, we love us as fans, right? And we love all of you in the community. One play seems to define players' careers more often than not. So Nigel Hayes takes Mikel Bridges to the rack in the tourney last year, and now Mikel Bridges isn't suited to defend post players, which is nuts, but that's where we are. Right. <laughs> Try to repress that from my memory, but thank you for bringing it <laughs> I appreciate it. One of the best defensive players in the country, except when... He he has to take on a 240-pounder in the post. The last question is actually from you, Chris. What is your dream home-and-home home series? 
Yeah, see, this is where I confuse myself, right? Uh, Chris, Chris, and a third Chris asking questions uh, over Twitter. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I guess I'll, I can start this off. So, yeah, when I when I asked this question, I actually wasn't expecting to be on the pod. So I was I was curious what you guys think because I've talked with my friends about this, and and you know we sometimes I think get stuck in like the oh I want to see the old Big East teams, I want to see Syracuse, and I want to see Louisville and 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 UConn, and I'm like yeah no like that'd be fun, but we are kind of doing that already. So my mind was more in the, you know, traditional blue blood. Do you want to do something with Arizona or Kentucky or Duke or Kansas, somebody like that? For me personally, I think I would really like to see something with Arizona. We don't seem to get out to the West Coast all that much. And I, I know that I got some sympathy for the people down there who are in California. We've got a lot of alums out there. I think that would be a good game. And, you know, I'm always, always about expanding the recruiting territory. The other one maybe I would look to do is just Duke more from a I love to beat them standpoint. But we all know Coach K is a coward and would never schedule. <laughs> yeah, Duke Duke would have been fun in the Elite Eight last year. I, w- I was looking forward, potentially looking forward to that. So I'd, I'd agree with that with Duke. But for me, I don't know. I was between two teams. The first was UNC, just obviously because of the championship. But I kind of feel that with most of the cast of the characters from that championship game gone, I don't know if it would have the same meaning as it would. But I don't know why, but I would really like to see a home-and-home with UCLA. Even after all the news with Leangelo Ball? Yeah, him and his friends should be out of jail by then, don't you think? I don't know. That 99.2% conviction rate does not look promising at all. Oh, well, they will definitely be part of the 99.2%, but I have my reasons for why we should still go with UCLA. I remember, I think they have on YouTube a game from, two, I think it was 2002. UCLA came to the pavilion, and like that was like Jay Wright's like first big win with Villanova. Mm-hmm. And like that, that game looked so cool. Like Everyone was really into it, and I, I feel like the whole East versus West, and now you've got the big baller brand type stuff going on now. I feel like that would be pretty interesting. So you're West Coast with me? Yes. See, we just all want a trip out west. Yeah, basically. I just want to go out <laughs> When I saw that question, immediately Duke and only Duke popped into my mind. I would love to beat Coach K and his sold-out status. I mean, the man used to be all about developing guys. And now he seems to be hopping on the one-and-done train. And also, I don't know, it, it's always fun to beat them. It's like beating the Cowboys, beating America's team, quote-unquote. Just want to beat them. Don't even, don't even give them that, America's yeah. team. Don't even do it. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Better than that, Eugene. Oh, brother, this guy stinks! Look, everyone everyone loves to see them lose, just like the Cowboys. That is true. Yes. <laughs> we can so all agree there. They're America's favorite loser, if, that, <laughs> if, if, that, yeah, yeah, if that's what that, we're going let's, for yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. Let's yeah, make yeah. that stick, please. Okay. Outside of their respective fan base of very sketchy people. Yeah. As always, you can always tweet us your questions. You can always tweet us at s-o-n-n pod or you can always tweet either of us and the mailman will find its way to us now we're going to transition to our biggies conference breakdown but before we do that we shared our non-conference sentiments last time dance said that we were going to lose one game brendan and i went with that we were going to be undefeated chris where do you stand on all of this 
So what game do you think we're going to lose? I, th- I said we were going to trip up at some point in the battle for Atlantis, whether it be Purdue if they get them or if Arizona. But I said I did have the caveat that if the schedule if it does produce an easier schedule, then I think they should go undefeated. Okay. I'm actually I'm completely on board with that. So oh, thank God. Uh, yeah, no, I was just I was like, gosh, what if he comes out with like Temple or something? No, like, I'm-, I'm gonna cyber slap you right across <laughs> the airwaves. No, so so and I'm gonna actually caveat with with one that everybody's gonna hate here because I yeah, I'm nervous about it. But I do think that we yeah, I'm trying to be objective about this, right? Like I think people are forgetting how good Arizona is. And, and frankly, we could we probably not even you know could it's probably we'll get Purdue in the semifinal of that tournament and they're also very good despite losing Biggie Swanigan so like we we potentially have two tough games kind of what is it two games in three nights at that point or is it all it could be three games in three days right so I think it's three and three yeah yeah so that that's tough and and I think people because of the the FBI situation are losing sight of just how freaking good Arizona is gonna be we don't know yet whether they may hold players out or anything like that I think they've been playing everybody in exhibition so it seems like they're gonna they're just gonna roll with it until they're they find out something <laughs> happened uh which is unlike pretty much everybody else in the sport who seems to be holding people out it i saw i don't know if you guys saw alabama just announced colin sexton is not eligible he is not yet eligible by the ncaa and is not playing in their exhibition game so arizona could get a little taste of that you never know but like assuming and they seem to be assuming everybody's fine like that that's a really really good team and it's going to be in like the fifth game of the season for us so i'm not ready to sign up for a win there just yet so that that's kind of one and i would say we'll lose the one the other one that i i think people may be forgetting about and i actually think we'll win this game but on the road at uconn in january is a little troublesome i don't think uconn's very good i think they'll be better than they were last year just because they seem to be healthy but that's just a weird road trip it's you know it's not a rivalry game but it's got some nostalgia factor there the uconn crowds are pretty good typically they have a good team and kind of thrown that into the middle of the biggie schedule is a weird one so that that's like a potential kind of trap or or you know pothole in the ground kind of game for us that i think we'll get by but like kind of don't look past that yeah no i agree i i kind of brought up on that episode that if uconn kind of gets on a roll going into that game i think we might be in some trouble i still think we'll prevail in that like but if uconn's got got a nice little roll going they get their crowd into it you know like get excited again about uconn then yeah i I can see opposing trouble and there you have it. Everyone has given their feelings on the non-conference schedule. We also have our staff predictions. That's also out on the site. So everyone should go check that out at viewhoops.com. But for now, we're going to mosey on to Big East play. We're going to go in the order of when the Cats will first see these teams. So I guess we're going to start off with good old DePaul. <laughs> the one who was going to go play them on December 27th over in Windy, Chicago. And it's the second time that we're going to open up against them. How is everyone feeling? Does anyone feel scared of a potential upset? Like that one time when DePaul decided to be very good at the pavilion last year. Oh, gosh, don't even bring that up. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, so no, we will beat them handedly both times. Eli Kane is their best player, I would say. I don't think that's probably much of a controversy. He, he's actually fairly good and more of a volume scorer, but can obviously guy that can go off for 20 plus in a game and, and carry his team I think they lost several guys they obviously don't have billy garrett jr is the big name lost a couple more guys bring some transfers in so they've got the two i know of are max struss 
Struess, I don't know how you pronounce that, uh, D2 guy that didn't seem to be getting a lot of uh, name recognition. But if you're reading up on DePaul all this preseason, seems like a guy that, that maybe will turn some heads this year and they, they may have found a gem there. The other guy that is more of a, a household name is Austin Grandstaff, who committed to Oklahoma, I think left there halfway through the year and then for Ohio State, ended up leaving there, transferred to DePaul. He will be playing this year. Very good shooter if he can, you know, I don't know what was going on off the court there that made him transfer several times. But if he's got it together... He was like a former four-star recruit, which is pretty high level for DePaul. So could be another guy. But my biggest thing with these guys is they just don't seem to have an identity. There's a lot of guys always leaving, a lot of new guys coming in. They never, you know, Dave Latow, I know, is still relatively new there. But I don't know what he's trying to do. Like, I don't know what kind of team they are. It feels like one of those, you know, it feels like they're kind of like Georgetown. I know we'll get to them, but it feels like Georgetown where they just got a bunch of guys. Like, there's not a strategy yet. And like, I have no idea what to expect, but I know they're not going to be good. Yeah, I second that whole Dave Lado feeling. It, it just feels like he just got a bunch of guys like, oh, you do you play basketball? Oh, great. Come and play for us. And then he's hoping to recreate that same success that he had when he was there in the mid-2000s. But unfortunately, it's not going to work like that. And so far, he hasn't even hit a 10-win season yet. Like overall? And since coming back to DePaul, they've literally won nine games in each of the last two years. Oh. I I didn't didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't know that either. I thought they would at least hit double digits. Oh, man. No, they're still waiting. They're still waiting. Oh, oh, no. (laughs) The thing with Billy Garrett Jr. leaving, (laughs) switching tempo a little bit, he was horribly inefficient. Me and Eugene harped on this like pretty much every time we brought up the Paul because it was actually kind of funny as to see, like to see his stats, how he would put up those numbers, but yet shoot twenty percent from the floor each game. Eli Kane seems to follow right in his footsteps. <laughs> He's inefficient as well, so I, I just don't know what to expect from their stars in quotation marks. I just don't know like if they're gonna if they do light up the scoreboard, if they're gonna be hacking up shots, they're just gonna they're just gonna be bad again, pretty much. That's what I think. So no shot of a scare this time around. No. No, no, I mean, uh, you never know, but like, yeah, they'll probably stand for like Providence or something. Yeah, go go scare somebody else this year, DePaul. After Villanova plays them in December, they'll see them again in late February. Both should be a dub, I think. You could pretty much pencil them in. In fact, just take a sharpie, just put the sharpie, sharpie in the W. Oh, Seth Davis. Yep, Seth yep. Davis sharpie. After that, Villanova will see Butler, and that's another almost New Year's Eve. I guess it's New Year's Eve Eve game. Are you guys scared about Butler this time around? I mean, they lost Chris Holtman, the biggest coach of the year. They're bringing in Laval Jordan. He's a little unproven. He is a Butler guy, which is cool, but he has only one year of coaching experience, and it didn't go too well at Milwaukee. I think I actually am buying into Butler probably more than most this year. Hear me out, because they were picked, I think, eighth in the coaches' poll, which is like a crazy travesty. Yeah. yeah, like crazy low. And the Big East is going to be really good, so so maybe that's not the case, right? I think we're we're probably around six, possibly seven NCAA tournament teams again, so like that's not out of the question. And first-year head coach that is clearly unproven, that's fine. You know who else they hired that was unproven at the time? Thad Mata, Brad Stevens, and Chris Holtman. Yeah, I like it. I like it. This is a program, it, very much like Villanova, this is a program that 
you know, kind of promotes from within the family, likes to keep it in the family. I will confess, I don't know much about LaVal Jordan's uh, coaching style or, you know, what he's trying to do different than his predecessors, if anything at all. But he's got a pretty good roster. Got no Andrew Shrabbins this year, which is, I I think, probably people won't realize how big of a loss that is for them. But you bring back Kamar Baldwin and Keelan Martin, who are both fantastic and frankly, just like a decent roster overall. I think I'm buying a little higher on them. I don't know NCAA tournament yet, but like, I'll be kind of shocked if they finish eighth. I think it's more likely that some other team, uh, (coughs) St. John's, uh, craps the bed this year than than Butler does, like have a true rebuilding year where it's like blow it up, start from scratch. It's funny that you said you you were buying into Butler because I don't know if I, I am. I don't know what it is, but I just feel that, I just don't feel like they'll just be as good. I mean, I really have no statistical proof to prove it, but I, I just don't get a good vibe from them this year. But I am a big fan of Keelan Martin. He is a great player. I was 16 points last year, six boards. But I don't know. I don't think Shravis is that big of a loss. I just don't know with the first-year head coach if it's really going to work out, and at least initially, maybe down the road it will. I just feel like that one team has to take a step back in the Big East, and I think it's going to be them. So you are not on the Butler hype train? Not, I'm not buying in completely. I just... No, I'm, I'm, not. I'm not. And whoa, whoa, whoa! Let's not call it the Butler hype train. <laughs> I'm not going there. Okay, okay, but, yeah, but yeah. they will do better than eight. They'll do better yeah. than eight. Like, yeah, I, I, I am, I am fairly confident they will finish better than eighth place. I don't, I don't think they're a top yeah. half of the conference team. But eighth was the one that like jumped off the page to me. I was like, wait, what? Like, yeah. and like just run down quickly. Some of the other, like they're bringing Tyler Weidman back, who started at center for them. Not an offensive player at all, but a guy that is kind of that anchor of the defense. And I expect them still to probably have a fairly similar mentality under Jordan with the defense first. A couple of good freshman they're bringing in Aaron Thompson who is billed as a another fantastic defender to pair with with Baldwin and, and Martin in the backcourt and Christian David a guy that that we were on for a little bit big big I think he's like six 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 seven wing on the perimeter great shooter out of Canada so they've got some pieces they've got Joey Brunk down low didn't play so much last year but was a, a pretty high caliber recruit coming in so the roster I think the names maybe aren't familiar to people outside of Martin and Baldwin but like they have they bring back actually like a lot of minutes. I think they're going to be sneak, sneaky okay. Not sneaky good. <laughs> I think they'll definitely finish above St. John's though. I don't think they'll finish eighth either. Yeah, I think five or six would be a pretty good spot for them. But definitely not eighth. Definitely not eighth. Not yeah. Eight. And, well, and you know, the biggest news is obviously they're selling beer in Hinkle Fieldhouse. So they're, they're winners already in my heart this year. How long until Villanova does the same? Oh, God. Uh, if you had asked me like two years ago, I would have said never because like Villanova going to Villanova and just not take. You know, they seem to have turned the corner under Mark Jackson. It's like, oh, we can make money off this. Yeah, let's let's explore every avenue. I will say I've heard some fairly good things about alcohol sales in the revamp pavilion. So uh, nothing final yet. I know they are. I think they are definitely what I heard is they're definitely doing it in the kind of high roller suite lounge type areas, but there's a pretty aggressive campaign to make it available, like all of the concessions that, or, you know, whatever the maximum amount of concessions that can serve it are available. That's like a, you know, a priority because again, it's like, it's free money. People are going to buy it. I might have to go down as a fan then. (laughs) (laughs) I can't cover the game tonight. (laughs) Yeah. Just, just hand my press pass away to somebody else. Eugene, I'll trade. I'll trade with you. <laughs> yeah, right. You can't get a t- you can't get a ticket in that arena unless oh, you're okay. unless you're covering the game. Yeah, that's also true. Unless you want to pay <laughs> like eight hundred dollars on StubHub. Oh gosh, not looking forward to that. So, do you have Villanova splitting the series, winning both, losing both? Probably not. 
probably not likely, but how do you see the series going? I think we're taking both of them. I don't think Butler's been a tricky game for us in the past, and I know I just talked them up pretty good, but I don't. And I thought this last year, and I was I was wrong, but I don't think they match up all that well with us uh, going into this year. And if we can limit, which I, I think we've got the horses to do it, limit Martin and Baldwin. I, I don't know that they can score enough to keep up. I got Nova winning both, getting a little revenge for last year. Great. We all agree once again. We're four and zero. <laughs> yeah, 4-0 so far, Biggie's play. Next up for the Cats will be Marquette. Oh, First game of the new year, January 6th at the Wells Fargo Center. But mm-hmm. uh, we saw two ends of the spectrum last year. We saw a comfortable win at the Wells Fargo Center and then a choke job in Milwaukee. How do you see this year playing out? I always have a soft spot for Marquette just because they are a Wisconsin-based team. And as a Packer fan, I don't know. I just kind of have a connection with that. But anyway, they are literally the New Orleans Saints of college basketball. (laughs) All offense, no defense. Seven seconds or less. I don't know what kind of system Wojo's pre- preaching over there or why he's preaching the all offense, no defense, especially when he comes from Duke. They got some nice pieces, but you, they don't have any big guys anymore. Fisher's gone now, and it's, the offense will literally revolve around Marcus Howard, who was a great freshman player last year, and now you got Andrew Rousey. I think he was the sixth man of the year, biggest sixth man of the year. I think he'll probably be thrusted into the starting role. They will definitely put up the buckets, but I don't know if they're going to be able to stop anyone. And from Nova's standpoint, I think that works out pretty well. If I'm a little high on Butler, I think I'm a little lower on Marquette, honestly. So they lose six guys that played minutes for them last year. A couple of those, uh, Tracy Carter and Sandy Cohen transferred early in the season. So maybe maybe discount that a little since they played most of last season without them. They are bringing in, I'm reading the Big East Coast Bias preview right now. Great, great uh, resource for anyone listening. If you don't know that site, they're our Big East blog on SB Nation. They have seven new guys that theoretically could play. I'm sorry, six, because Ed Morrow has to sit out this year, transfer from Nebraska. That's like an insane amount of turnover. They're returning five guys that, that saw minutes last year. And, and granted, like you said, Howard is, is I'm a huge fan, like unbelievable. I really actually remember thinking I wish Villanova was recruiting him in high school. Rousey is kind of fun, more of a fun player for me to watch. I'm not like, I'm not a huge fan of like his overall game. Sam Hauser is a, what, sharpshooter from the perimeter. And then Hanif Cheatham, like had a great freshman year, kind of took a step back last year. This is like pretty much for me, it's like all Marcus Howard. And then like, can the new guys fit in? And I'm not entirely sure. The players they lost, like these are huge names. Luke Fisher, Jawan Johnson, Kate and Reinhardt, Dwayne Wilson. Yeah. Like all That's guys that played a lot of minutes for them last year. So I do think, you know, their offense will get them by because they're going to be a team clearly with, with the players in the lineup that they're going to be shooting a lot of threes. When they're hitting them, they're going to be tough to keep up with. No defense at all, as Stan's mentioned. And if there's a team that I think is probably being projected higher than they should be going into this year, it's Marquette because... I, I just think they were they were good last year. They were really fun, and, and they lost a lot, a lot more than people are giving credit for. And also, the anonymous Eagle guys, which is our Marquette blog on SB Nation, have been throwing shade at Villanova all preseason, so F them. <laughs> you know, it's funny you say that, because Marquette, I don't know why they're throwing shade, because Marquette almost lost to a D2 team in their exhibition just this past weekend. So I think they were down 11 with a little over half of the second half to go, and they were able to squeak out, I believe it was a three-point win. At, obviously at home. You're right. Like, it's an exhibition, but, like, wow, if right. you needed a red flag, right? Right. Exactly. Like, yeah, like you said, it's an exhibition. You can't really take that much from it, but, like, come on. <laughs> you yeah. shouldn't be having handle, any. Handle your business. Exactly. And don't even 
let it let them entertain the idea. I usually buy into Marquette. I think even last year I said we would lose at Wells Fargo um, at Wells Fargo oh God, and Milwaukee and the, during the preview show. This year, I'm, I agree with you. I'm I'm, a little, I'm down on them, big time. Yeah. So two and zero. Two and zero as well. This next team, though, you might you might feel a little differently about them. Maybe not undefeated anymore, but after that, Villanova will take on Xavier first on January 10th at home. And then later back at Cintas in February 17th. But they went the deepest out of all the Big East teams last year. They didn't have Edmund Sumner, but we saw the kind of job a healthy Trayvon Bluer can do, carrying a team single-handedly as far as they did. How do you see them matching up against Nova this year? They are rightfully, I think they're getting just the right amount of hype. Blue, it's a star. I saw he had a little bit of an injury scare, actually. I actually don't remember following up on that to see what was going on there. But like, there was some stuff over Twitter, like he may have torn a rotator cuff, which is like, you're not playing this year. Then some of the Xavier beat guys were like, no, 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 it's not serious. But like, maybe keep an eye on that because he's had some injury problems in the past that have limited his minutes. After that, like, you know, J.P. Mercura, which I still can't get over the dabbing story from Peace Media Day. Like, that's exactly how I would have reacted if I saw J.P. Mercura dabbing. I just would have, like, stopped about face, go the other way. Uh, No need for that in my life. Yeah, and they, like, they just didn't lose a lot. Like, Sumner's the big name they lost. Rashid Gaston actually, like, mauled us on the boards last year, I think, in both games, and he's gone now, too. But pretty much, like, all the other role players are back. They've got the two young guards that, that are that are coming back. And then they've got, like, they've actually, I think you might even call probably the best recruiting class in the Big East, um, just from the sheer amount of people uh, coming in. Like, Paul Scruggs is the big one, and Najee Marshall is, I think, another, like, top 50 or 60 player. And then they've got uh, Enos Cantor's younger brother, post player, coming in as a grad transfer. So they, like, they've they've got depth. They've got stars. They've got experience. There's, like, not a lot of holes on that roster. I think they're probably rightfully, like, picked as, like, the second or third. I forget what they were picked. But second or third best team in the Big East was Seton Hall. I just, like, you know, like I said earlier with DePaul, like, I'm not sure they've got enough. There's, like, a lot of good pieces. Blewett, if he's healthy, is a great piece. I don't know, like, who his Robin is if he's Batman. That's a great point, Chris. I, I just, yeah, I do feel like they are missing that key secondary contributor. I mean, obviously, like you said, they got some nice pieces, but it's just, it's they don't have that other big name. And I feel that with Blewett trying to carry the team again over a whole season, I don't know if it's going to work, <laughs> or at least not to the extent that it did in the tournament. And I felt like Sumner leaving early was kind of, I don't know if it was a shock, but I felt like it was a little stupid. <laughs> uh, like the, I, I kind of felt like Samaj Christian in that regard, right? He left, left a little too early, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, it's like I always hate putting myself in these guys' shoes because, like, I I don't know their background. I don't know, like, what they're thinking. I mean, he had the serious knee injury, and I think sometimes a lot of guys go, like – and it's true. Like, the draft sometimes is a lot on potential. So if Mm -hmm. you blow out your knee and the NBA people – and I think he was, like, picked pretty late in the second round, so he almost didn't get drafted. Uh, And I don't know how he's doing, so, like, I I don't really know. But if you go through that injury scare and and somebody's telling you, yeah, you'll get drafted this year, like, I kind of understand – let me not risk it because um, right. a second second blown knee and and that's probably it for you. Yeah, um, so try to go get your paycheck. So I kind of understand the thought process there, but yeah, like just on a pure, you know, he, he his potential is still ahead of him if he's healthy. So like, yeah, he probably could have come back for one more year, reestablished himself, but it's a bet with the health. I do know that he's rehabbing, and I don't know if you guys saw this, but about a few weeks ago, he was seen dancing in a hot dog costume. So 
That's how he's doing. <laughs> just, uh, yeah, just collecting a uh, little side job action there, huh? Maybe we'll see Arch in one of those. <laughs> <laughs> I don't wish. I don't. I don't wish that on anyone. <laughs> <laughs> how do you guys see this playing out? Do you see it splitting? Do you see Nova squeezing out both? This is a pretty tough team, but like you said, maybe not enough. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I like we're not going to go undefeated. The conference is too tough this year, so this would be this would be a spot I pick one and one and say we probably drop it on the road in Cincy. Like oddly enough, we've really well there. Like we we always seem to be up for that game, and like much to his chagrin, Chris Mack hasn't seemed to totally figure out how to beat us uh, or slow us down consistently. So. Uh, maybe I'm wrong on that and I'm, I'm underestimating us, but I, I do feel like if you're going to pick, you know, two to three losses this year at Xavier feels like a, a pretty safe bet. I have to agree with you, Chris. I think they'll definitely, I think they'll drop this one in Cincy. I, it's just, it's just a really tough road game, but I, I do think a lot rides on the health of Trayvon Lewis. Obviously. I mean, if you were saying if that rotator cuff is actually hurt, like we don't know come come January, like if he's if he's still battling that injury, it's possible we can go in there and steal that like with relative ease. As we sit here in November, I I feel that we should chalk that up as a split. I'm going the other way. I think Villanova takes both. I really oh my do. gosh, what I is this? <laughs> I think they got it. We're doing so well. I know, I know, the and host. I'm usually the guy who's cautiously optimistic or slightly pessimistic. As You're slightly pessimistic. <laughs> But I am going full t- – I think we win this one. I think we win both. I honestly do. All right. All right. Yeah, I, I, I like it. you're right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I'll be right. I think this next one, though, we'll all agree on. St. John's. I mean, we talked about it a little bit before, but after that loss to Rutgers, I hope everyone who was on their bandwagon just hopped off. We were mentioning in the earlier – shows back in October that, you know, St. John's, you know, like we kind of think they might be ready to take that next step. They have the young talent with Pons and Levette, but you just, you just don't know if they're ready to like fully explode yet, especially as sophomores. And I believe Chris Mullen's doing a great job over there. He's really turning that program around. You can see it's reaping it. It's it rewards a little bit. Um, trying to stay local and you know you're Chris Mullen you have a big draw you can get guys to go there but god they they're I just don't see they're them doing anything this year and Shamori Pons even said if we don't make the NCAA tournament this season is a bust I love that he's saying that because it shows that that, you know they're serious about this but but at the same time it's just like you got to be a little realistic. And I, I feel that putting a little unnecessary expectations on yourself might cause them to struggle a little bit more than they should be. I think they'll improve, like, maybe as a team a little bit, just just a little bit. But I, I just don't I, – I, they're still too young to really take that big leap. Yeah, this um, – <laughs> I think I've made my thoughts pretty well known on Twitter for, for anyone who follows me there on St. John's. They um, – I, I actually chalk up, like, their inefficiencies mostly to Chris Mullen. And I agree with you that he is making strides in the right direction. He's recruiting clearly very well. He's recruited internationally well. He's hitting the JUCO market for, for you know, plugging quick holes. So he's doing what he needs to that previous coaches kind of haven't done there. If you go on like pure talent alone, this is a pretty loaded roster. You've got Pons and Lovett who are who are fantastic. Like, like cannot say enough good things about them. I think they are tenacious on defense. They can go get it on offense. 
they could low-key be like one of the breakout duos in the country this year, not just in the Big East because they are that talented. Kasum Yakwe is, you know, fairly talented, a little on the skinny side, but like freaky athletic. Bashir Ahmed was, I think, National Juco Player of the Year, or at least like the leading scorer or something like that. He's back again. And then you've got Justin Simon from Arizona, former five-star point guard, and Marvin Clark from Michigan State, who I think was a former four-star prospect. So like you've got a pretty loaded, if not overly deep roster. You've got, you know, seven to eight guys who can who can play and and have talent. I just wonder about the staff a little bit. Like they they clearly can run with teams they can score. They don't play a ton of D. And I look at that staff with Mullen, who is more of a figurehead than a coach, it feels like. And then he's his staff, I know they got rid of the one guy who was like a longtime Calipari assistant, but like the, the staff is like mostly recruiters. There's not a lot of like X's and O's guys there. There's not a lot of guys that know how to like manage a game and manage a team and, and really pull out those tough wins. And, and I kind of feel like that's going to happen again this year. Like St. John's is going to lose a lot of games, like 90 to 85. Like they just, <laughs> they're not going to be able to get over the hump. I would be happy to be wrong. Cause I think these are the, th- this is the kind of program that is on the cusp of taking that step forward. I just, I'm not totally buying in and like that Rutgers loss. I don't, I don't know if people know, like we joke about how, how we hate Rutgers and Rutgers sucks at everything mm-hmm. a lot on our site. I'm not sure people understand just how bad Rutgers is at basketball right now. <laughs> like it is, it is a sin to lose to them. If you're St. John's with how much talent you have. And, and that to me is like another huge red flag for the season for them. Yeah. Did you guys happen to see how that game ended? It mm-hmm. no. literally came down to the fact that they allowed Rutgers to get two offensive rebounds and then on the second putback they got the game winner because no one boxed out. Yeah, and that like that that could be exhibitionitis, but god god <laughs> goddamn if that wasn't their problem all year. Right? Like just like, right. stupid mistakes, not paying attention to detail. And that like that to me is on the coaching. Not like players need to be coached. These guys have talent and get rid of Nova's roster this year and give us those guards and, and those wings and 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 that level of talent with Jay Wright, you don't think he can make that work? Oh, he'll definitely make. He it definitely work. could. Yeah, yeah. So that that's where I'm at with them. Is like I I do think Mullins headed in the right direction. He should be given a couple of more years, but I think he really needs to consider grabbing like an X's and O's guy for the bench. That's a fair point. Do you do you also think that a lot has to do with just them being a very young team and being inexperienced as well? Oh yeah, la- la- last year for sure. Right? right. It was um, you had the two right. guards. Ahmed was his first year. And I think what was the Italian kid? I can't even think of his name. Mussini. Oh, uh, yeah, Mussini. Yeah, yeah. Mussini was was like only a sophomore, I think, and he ended up going back to Italy early for a pro career. So, so they are they were young. They probably are still young. Even like Justin Simon, I think, uh, transferred out after one year at Arizona. Same with Marvin Clark, and I think they've got another freshman whose name I can't remember. So they're going to be young again. So to a certain extent, you you should expect more of the same. But you know, I I think we seem we we sometimes overrate like. I, you know, and I, I certainly don't. I love that Villanova's experienced all the time, and I think that's a big part of our success is we, we throw out a lot of third and fourth year guys at you um, and mix it with youth. But you know, for the amount of playing time some of these guys got last year, I would think that a lot of those mistakes get limited. Yeah. St. John certainly could make the NCAA tournament. I'm just not sure I'm there. Right. Yeah. No. Same here. And if yeah, if those mistakes are st- still prevailing, then yeah, I feel like you got to blame Mullen at that point. Mm-hmm. Guess it's safe to say that Nova can. Chalk up both for a win. Yeah, that's a sweep. Yeah, for for sure. I, I'm like a little terrified of maybe like a Marquette situation last year where 
where Pons and Lovett just like completely go off against us. But I think they both need to do it on the same night, which feels unlikely. And Dante will probably drop 30 in both games. Yeah, because they don't play D. Yeah, and, and that seems to be like the only opponent he can go godlike for. I don't know what it is, but he always has a great game against them. <laughs> the, the other thing they do that's like, it's I love the way they play with that full court man-to-man press. Like, But doing that against us is like, it's the f-ing stupidest thing you could do. So, I don't even know if this is a children's safe podcast. I'm sorry for swearing, but like, it's it is terrible. so dumb. Like, so, so, so dumb. Bleep me out if you have to. We actually might get to use that sound effect for the first time ever. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> <laughs> After St. John's, Nova will face another Big East traditional power, or I guess was of traditional power, Georgetown. Try it! Uh, before we just dive into the current state of Georgetown right now, Try it! who do you think will do better, Georgetown or DePaul in Big East play? That's got to be got to be Georgetown. I'm not even ready. I'm not ready to put them on DePaul level yet. Oh, I- I'm hesitant right now. <laughs> I yeah. don't- I am looking at the roster, and maybe I'll walk back as we analyze them, but, ooh. Like, DePaul doesn't have talent. Georgetown actually has some talent on the roster, and they're bringing in some talent, whereas whereas DePaul, like, you know, we've got a guy on his third tra- his third school in a year and a half and, and a D2 transfer, or, like, who we talked up before. Yeah, give me Georgetown. Throw uh, a bone. Yeah, why not? In my Big East Coast bias power rankings ballot, I – think i definitely said to paul over georgetown oh my gosh what did i get myself into with that a bunch of crazy people <laughs> nova fourth or no second sorry yeah yeah oh my gosh when i saw that it made me so angry like Wait, it's, that, a, it's, a, it's a preseason power rankings poll it's completely based on the fact of, of like last season and and essentially roster turnover how, like how can you even argue villanova at number one in a power rankings poll who would they put once? Seen Hall? Yeah, Seen Hall was the number one in that in that ballot. We're gonna have like a Twitter just roast of this guy. It's gonna be so unfortunate. I wasn't gonna out him, Eugene, but you had to like throw him out there to the wolves. He loves it. He's a he's a troll. He's a, he's he loves it. he loves that kind of stuff. It's what he lives for. He's a Creighton guy too, so it's like completely unrelated. Oh, oh I thought oh, they were okay. also nice out there. They have yeah. trolls. I didn't know that. <laughs> So, another losing season led to the firing of JT3. We bring in Patrick Ewing. Is that kind of like a figurehead type deal? Just kind of like Chris Mullen? Because that's kind of the vibe I was getting. I, I kind of felt that with Mullen, I feel like there was more to gain with that. I kind of feel like this is more of a fi- – this is like an actual figurehead higher. I feel like with Mullen, they were actually trying to – I think he, they're trying to commit to winning and getting – Good recruits and all. I, I don't. I don't know. I, I don't know what Ewing's going to do. <laughs> like I feel it. Like other than just being Patrick Ewing and trying to get recruits just off his name, I just. I don't. I, I don't know him as a coach that well. Yeah, they. Um, so there's like two schools of thought on this one. I, I have a couple of Georgetown friends that are that are split on this decision. If you're in the positive Ewing camp, the book on him is he probably should have had an NBA job like five years ago. Like he's that well respected. He served his time. He knows what he's talking about from a coaching standpoint. For for Georgetown, that was clearly one of their biggest problems. Was was JT three was running a Princeton offense, and then last year was like we're not going to do that, and it was a tire fire. 
So bringing in a guy with some coaching chops, which you probably don't think of when you think about Patrick Ewing is a good thing. And, and people are people on the hilltop seem to be buying into that a little bit. On the downside, there's been pretty big speculation from from some of the national media guys. If you listen to like the CBS and the NBC college basketball pods, it's pretty well known that Patrick Ewing seems to have like nothing good to say about like the recruiting process in college. Doesn't want to spend the time, doesn't doesn't care about it. And like that. You know, I actually happen to know for a fact, like Jay Wright doesn't love it either, but like he he does it and he works hard at it because you need to. So if that attitude adjustment doesn't come, Georgetown's not going to be recruiting the type of talent that that they probably need to, to, to succeed in this conference and get back to a nationally relevant program. I am completely with Stans that I have no idea what to expect from his team because he has never been a head coach. He's only been an assistant, has a good reputation, obviously, but like what kind of system is he going to run? You would assume probably he is going to feature guys like Jesse Govan and Marcus Derrickson this year and try to run or not run the offense through them, but give them their fair touches because he was a dominant post player himself. And quite frankly, they lost like a pretty scary amount of talent on the perimeter. So like they, they just may be forced into that, but I'm not like, I, I really don't know what to expect from them. They've, they've got some, they've got enough pieces in my mind to finish above DePaul, but like this, you know, if DePaul can't get to 10 wins, <laughs> Like, I, gosh, I don't know if Georgetown can either this year. Although they scheduled, oh, God. They're, they're out of conference schedule. <laughs> they get them there by default. <laughs> softer by soft than soft. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think that non-conference schedule alone might put them in a pretty good position to finish five, close to 500. Close to 500. I've never seen a team in my life. Like, I, I was thinking about this. Like, if this was Villanova that did this, right? Even in, like, our, what was that? What I don't even want to think about the year, but we went, like, 13 and 19. We knew that was going to be a rough, rough-ish year anyway. I don't think we think thought it was going to be that bad if we were being realistic, but we probably were thinking this isn't an NCAA tournament team. Would we have pulled out of like a preseason tournament because we were too scared? No, probably like, not. Like I've never seen a program do that. Like, oh no, we don't want to play in the PK80 once in a lifetime event, like with every other nationally recognizable program because we're going to get our asses beaten in. I think DePaul took their spot too, honestly. If I'm not mistaken, which makes it like, which makes, yeah, which makes it even funnier. <laughs> like DePaul wasn't too scared to go, to go there and get a hand into him. DePaul's like, man, if we get one, we're set. Unfortunately yeah. though, I just, I just don't see it. I mean, I, uh, God, it's, it's tough because this Georgetown team, you really don't know what to expect right out, right out of the gate. But I mean, do you see, like, how long do you see until we get the Nova Georgetown rivalry back to being good again? Several, several years. <laughs> yeah, it's like a, a full cycle of players for Ewing. I'd say, like they're gonna, they're gonna get. And like what I forgot to say before is, like you know, this is what we're all not saying on the phone. This is very clearly a John Thompson senior hire. Like he's still in power over there, yeah. uh, or else yeah. you would have, you would have tried to go get someone else. Like at least tried. It was like pretty quick, and and you know there was like one candidate always. So uh, I think he's got at least three or four years to try to make this work. And I think we'll know, because I think if I'm not mistaken, he's actually like recruiting decently right now. Uh, I know they have one like top 100 guy coming in this year that should help right away. And then next year, I think they've already got like a couple lined up. So the recruiting seems to be going well right now. Like if they can get the encore product going in the right direction, maybe it happens a little quicker. But if we're talking top 10 Georgetown, like back in the Greg Monroe days and, um, uh, you know, Otto Porter days, like that's gosh, that could, that could be a decade. Like they, they've yeah. both, they fell off a cliff. Oh, I was just thinking more of like competitive again, maybe not top, top 10 will definitely take a long time. That will definitely take a while. Yeah. I, I would say give it three or four years. And, you know, I think we'll know by the end of next year, whether this is going to work or not. <laughs> so should we pencil in Nova for dubs again? 
Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. Two easy ones. Yep. Sorry yep. to say it. I, I I enjoy this game when it's a true rivalry. It's it's unfortunate. I think it was you, uh, Stance. You were saying how your dad just lo- loves it, even when they're not good. He just yeah. loves the beat. He, he wants to go to every Nova Georgetown game, and I'm just like, Georgetown's terrible. I don't want to go. <laughs> like save, <laughs> like save the money for save the money for the Seton Hall games. But he just doesn't understand why I hate Seton Hall over Georgetown. And it's just, it's just a generation disconnect. There, it's yeah, it's a generation thing. Yep. Because I because I because I'm older than you guys, and and I don't even hate Seton Hall that much. I can't stand them. I can't stand them. Yeah, especially being from New Jersey too. It's just yeah, that, that adds stuff. a layer. I, I I'm right in the middle of te- enemy territory, and Eugene is too. I mean, granted, New York. We got to set up like the the main event, like you versus Sockerman. Like uh, I don't know, what's a funny fight we can have at the end of the year? Arms tied behind your back. Who can knock the other over first? <laughs> <laughs> like nobody nobody will get hurt, but it'll be like good entertainment for everyone. <laughs> I'm down. <laughs> we have it on Periscope. And oh, challenge Twitter. accepted, Sockerman. We know you're listening. <laughs> He's got his J-Right beef ready to roll. Oh. <laughs> That'd be great. That'd be great. We're not advocating <laughs> violence. We're just advocating fun. Unless it's against Sackerman. Then we're <laughs> Closet Seton Hall fan. Mm-hmm. So next up is Providence. And as we remember last year, there was a lot of uncertainty. They graduated Chris Dunn. Ben Bentel left for the NBA draft. Weren't sure how they were going to do. If I remember correctly, they were slated to finish ninth in last year's preseason Big East poll. Things didn't look too good, but they actually ended up being a 21 team, and they got hot towards the end of the season. They made it to the NCAA tournament. There's a lot of hype surrounding these guys this year, seeing how they bring back virtually everybody. How do you guys see this one playing out this year? This team kind of reminds me of a lot. I don't, I don't have a specific, but this is the type of team that will win like the big games against like Villanova, Xavier, Seton Hall, but then they can just easily lose to St. John's, Marquette, like yeah. Paul, Butler. It's very versatile, and I feel that's gonna hold. And I feel that's gonna ring true come Biggie's play. I that I feel that they're gonna they, they they'll have the big wins, but they'll also have the bad losses as well coupled in. Now, does that make for a tournament team? I'd say so, yeah. And I think Nova's going to struggle when they do go to Dunkin' Donuts Center. So, But they are strong. They are a strong team, though. If I'm not mistaken, I believe they bring every single person back. Every starter's coming back. I think everyone on the – like, I don't know that they lost a single person. Ryan I think Fizik everyone on the bench. Transferred. Ah, Fazekas transferred. Oh, yeah. Okay, so there is one. Um, there's always one. So, so he yeah, – whatever. He's a whatever. And, and they bring in um, – Two, possibly even three, but but the big name is Makai Ashton Langford was uh, top fifty point guard is coming in, decommitted from Connecticut, went to Providence, which just makes it all the better for them because they they those guys freaking hate each other. And then Nate Watson, forward, top one hundred guy coming in too. So like my my feeling on Providence is they are very 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 good. I don't like their collection that they, they kind of to me like resemble. Villanova before we started really getting into like the top 40 top 25 range of recruiting of the last few years but a lot of top 100 guys guys that can ball like Kyron Cartwright like is is unbelievable Rodney Bullock to me is a little overrated but very high on the other side on for Alpha Diallo this year to have a big step forward they and and kind of the key for me is Ed Cooley is like just a fantastic coach just historically has not had a lot to work with and what is he, three straight NCAA tournaments now, I want to say? 
Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe more. I know one of them was winning a Big East title kind of out of nowhere, but still counts. So, like, I would just say stay woke on Providence a little bit. Like, they, <laughs> uh, they are clearly an NCAA tournament to me, barring, like, a complete disaster. But I'm, I'm nervous. Like you said, like, you know, I have, I have uh, horrors from the dunk uh, for completely different reasons. I don't know if you guys went to that St. Mary's game in whatever year that was, 2011, 2012. That was not good. That was in Providence in the NCAA tournament. And that arena is no lie, quite possibly the toughest place to play in the conference um, uh, outside of maybe the pavilion when, when it's a big game there. So, so like, yeah, I actually do think we'll get clipped at the dunk this year. Chalk me up for one and one. And like, you know, it's like stupid to say, like, I also wouldn't be shocked if we went 0 and two versus these guys and they finished like fifth in the conference. Like they, they just seem to get up for us. They, they always play us tough and, and I love Cooley as a coach. I love Cooley. He's he's just also great to talk to. He keeps it real. He's very entertaining, but he's also tough. He's a tough guy. I do also think that we're going to split it. We're probably going to lose at the dunk. I think we went at the Wells Fargo Center, but chalk me up for a loss at Providence. Yeah, I'm I'm on the split train as well. We'll, we'll I think we'll lose in uh, Providence. Nova sees them twice. First on January 23rd, and then again on Valentine's Day. And that's where they'll be at the dunk, getting their hearts broken. Oh, gosh. <laughs> oh, As God. if the day wasn't already bad enough. <laughs> I'm going to end it with that, with my wife being mad at me that I'm watching the game, one, and two, probably <laughs> losing, and then just going to bed angry. Now, this is perfect. Way to go, schedule gods. <laughs> After that, they play Creighton, who – I was really high on them going into last year, and then everything just sputtered out of control into downward spiral. They don't really have quite about the same amount of guys this year. They do bring back Marcus Foster, scoring machine, and Kyrie Thomas, who a lot considered to be a top two defender along with Mikhail Bridges in the Big East. How do you guys feel about them? I know that they're about – I think they are a middle-of-the-pack team, according to the coaches' poll – but where do you guys see them in relation to Nova? They would be like, if I think I said earlier, like Butler is probably more likely to finish sixth or seventh ahead of St. John's. Um, I think Creighton's probably my other pick there. I, I think maybe, and I know, I, where did they get picked, Eugene? Do you know? Was it fifth, I want to say, or sixth in the poll? Whatever it was. Like, I just remember thinking, I think everybody is forgetting, like, how important. Oh, gosh, what's his name? I can't even think. Mo Watson. Watson. Uh, yeah. yeah. Watson. How, like, yeah. the wheels fell off when he left. And, like, how did they replace him? I, I don't know. Like, they lost what, who they lose. Zierden is gone. Uh, Watson's gone. And, and one of the big guys inside has left. They, they recruited, actually, like, fairly well. They've got that kid, uh, the Australian kid, Epperson, who's coming in, uh, who's getting some good reviews. Um, they bring in Caleb Joseph, transfer from Syracuse, uh, to help out in the backcourt. Tyshawn Alexander is another top – I think he was, like, a top 60 kid – yeah. Um, that they landed from the East Coast, actually, um, which was like a crazy recruiting win for them. So, and then I, you know, I love Kyrie Thomas, huge fan of his. The one for me that like I can't get over, and I, and I, I fully appreciate Marcus Foster being a good basketball player and insanely talented. I, I think he's going to get too much freedom, like, like, like you know, possibly like three for nineteen a game freedom um, on a couple of occasions, and it's really going to hurt this team because if you don't have that kind of black hole offensive uh, player, Creighton plays offense really, really well. Like they don't need stars. They need a really good ball handler who can spread the floor. And they've got a bunch of guys who can drive and shoot. And that's the system they play. And it's hard to defend. And, and, and they're very good at it. 
Um, but when you add Foster to the mix for me, it kind of shuts all of that down and, and you end up running sets um, that end with him getting the ball or you're running sets specifically for him. And he is good enough um, when matched up with a, with, with a, a you know, poor defender where he, he can go get his and, and, and bring you 25 in a night. But like, I'm not even sure that's what you need from him for this team to be a success. I think they may just be too young this year. And, uh, you know, I think next year, probably th- this is maybe a little bit of a rebuilding year or the continuation of last year's rebuilding year for them next year when Foster's out of there. And uh, I know they've got another good recruiting class coming in next year. Uh, all these young guys will be a year older. Like that's when I look for them to jump back into the top half of the conference. That that was pretty much nailed. <laughs> that was as thorough of analysis like, as I've ever heard. Um, yeah, no, I, I completely agree with all your points there. Um, I, I do. I, I think I, I haven't heard a lot of chatter about Justin Patton leaving. I, I just feel that no no one's really talked about it, and 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 in that regard, I kind of feel like they're underestimating his impact on Creighton last year. He was just incredibly good to like that, that entire offense revolved around him. It, it, he, he did everything. He was a, he he became a first round talent in one year, it, it, from a two star recruit to first round talent and I, don't, I just don't know how they're going to replace that production and they were able to kind of mitigate it last year um when they lost watson but now you lost watson and now you lost Patton, and, and I, I just don't yeah like you said they're just too young and their recruiting class next year is insane uh but i i just i don't see them doing all that much yeah well. I, I didn't even meant i did that's a good call because i completely forgot about him um yeah. which like that's insane, right? Like he, he yeah. was incredible uh, and they don't have him either. So yeah. um, like, unless this kid Epperson is the second coming of him, I just don't see a way these guys are, are going to be competitive enough uh, in, a, in a, frankly, a very tough conference this year. Great. Agreed. Yeah. Everything revolved around point guard play for them. And I think they tried four different guys, Tyler Clement, Davion Mintz, Isaiah Zierden, and one other guy before they've, decided to go with Mintz, and honestly, Mintz didn't look too good. I know he was just a freshman. Who knows what, how he's grown since then, but honestly, I'm not feeling too optimistic, and I, I like that point that you made, Chris, in that Marcus Foster being there will make them a little more one-dimensional than they should be, mm-hmm. and that will end up hurting them than anyone thinks, really. Yeah, and I, I was talking with a, a co-worker who, who randomly in New York is a Creighton grad, and he was like, but Caleb Joseph, Caleb Joseph from Syracuse. And I'm like, dude, look up his stats from Syracuse. Like, it's not pretty. It's not he that good, a, no. Yeah, he was a big-time recruit, and I'm, you know, I'm fully on board with the redemption tour. I think this is probably a better system for him to play in uh, rather than whatever the heck Syracuse claims to be doing up there. But, um, <laughs> but like, you know, I, I wouldn't be, like, fully bought into, like, oh, yeah, he's, he's the replacement we – we need and, and deserve for Mo Watson. Like he, he ain't Mo Watson. So how do you see the series panning out split win both? Uh, I, I go win both. Um, I, I don't think they're anywhere close to a, a scary contest for us, especially the way they play. I don't see, maybe I'm wrong in some of these names. I don't know. I don't see the type of shooting uh, that typically scares me out of Creighton. And I don't see the, the lead guard uh, that can kind of open up that offense. And, and we know they're not really a defense first team. So I, I just don't see a way they're competitive with us in either game. Yeah, I got I got them sweeping as well. I Omaha always scares me <laughs> um, going there on the road, but I, I think they'll get I think they'll get this one. And I mean, they won Villanova won there last year. Was that was that the New Year's Eve game? Yeah, 
I, yeah. Yeah, and I, I feel like that was probably one of the toughest games last year. And if they could they got it done last year, they can definitely get it done this year so, with a much worse Creighton team. So I'll, I go, I'll give Nova the sweep. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you both on there. But this next one has me really worried. I know Chris doesn't really – Loathe them too much as much as Dan's and I do, but Seton Hall's last on the menu. That'll be the last Big East team that we will get to meet. They play them first on February 4th, Super Bowl Sunday. I don't know who scheduled that. I think, Chris, you had a – or Stans, you had a big problem with that. Oh, well, now not anymore. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is now dead. So uh, we, we, we can play all the games on Super Bowl Sunday if we want. Yeah, and the Giants – franchise folded weeks ago so uh, I, need a, I need a new team if you guys have any other ideas none i'm also on the market for a new team i haven't watched the giants game since the chargers game yeah no they they folded they're <laughs> they, they, don't they, don't, they don't they don't exist <laughs> they're they're, re, they're talking about relocating the team to uh like uh, dublin or something oh great great yeah. so We've heard a lot about Seton Hall over the last few years, especially going into this season, Angel Delgado coming back, Kadeen Carrington, Desi Rodriguez. Those three guys have been pretty much the core along with the rest of that senior class. It seems to be the driving bunch for this group over the last couple of years. How do you see it playing out this year? This is definitely going to be a tense one. I think this will be one of the more exciting Big East matchups for sure. The old rival rearing its ugly head again. I like to call them the Lowe's Pirates. <laughs> They, they are incredibly good. They will be Villanova's uh, thorn in their side this year yet again. They will definitely be vying for the Big East title with Villanova. Angel Logato, uh, he, he's a uh, player of the year favorite. Double-double machine last year, 15 points, 13 boards. And then you got Desi Rodriguez and Kadeen Carrington on the wing. I mean, they, they can score with the best of them, and they're Vicious, vicious cutters to the basket, especially Carrington. It's And they always just have a knack for playing Villanova well. And I know Villanova blew them out twice in the regular season, but that Big East semifinal game really showed what Seton Hall was, is, what they really are. And I feel like this might be the year that Seton Hall actually takes that step to become an upper echelon team. And I know they've kind of been middling like six seed in 2016 and then eight, nine seed in last year. But I think they'll actually be pushing three, four seed this year. And they are going to give Villanova their two toughest games in Big East play, I feel like. Yeah, pretty much all of that. They are very (laughs) clearly, to me anyway, the second best team in the conference. Um, I I, want to say they're ranked like in the back half of the top 25, which – like is nuts to me. They are like just outside of the top 10 good. And, and like, listen guys, I, I don't love them either. Um, and I can appreciate like a budding rivalry. It is that, and, and you know, more teams being good, especially like close regional rivals is a good thing. Yeah. Car- Carrington's fantastic. Miles Powell, I think is kind of on that Dante DiVincenzo tier of like, could have a monster season, probably will have a monster season. I'm not like, I've never been as high on Desi Rodriguez and, and Ish Sonogo and those guys. I think they're maybe a little overhyped, but Sonogo is a guy who plays within his role, really versatile, great defender. Desi Rodriguez, like if he's got the switch clicked on for the night, definitely can hurt you and, you know, is a high right, highlight reel type of player. I would say two guys maybe to keep an eye on in the backcourt. I've heard good things about this kid, Miles Kale, who's a freshman, kind of like a, an off guard or wing type of guy. And then Jordan Walker, very shifty little guard. Not sure how much he'll get in the rotation with Carrington and Powell back there, but Aaron Gordon, I think is still over there as well. So, but keep an eye on him. He could make an impact. And then obviously the guy, I haven't even mentioned it. Angel Delgado is like first team all American type of good. He's the he's the kind of guy that gets left off of the all American teams for the one and done guys, but 
I mean, he's going to average a double double. He's going to be a monster and there's going to be, you know, maybe three or four teams in the country that can like put a guy on him that can contain him. He's just, he's an animal. So I would say definitely a split. I'm going to go the other way. I think we'll take it at Seton Hall. They'll get us at the Wells Fargo center. I think each team will be insanely up. Yeah. Insanely up for the road. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I got a split as well, but I, I actually got a reverse. So I actually have Nova winning at home and then Seton Hall winning at home. Interesting. Interesting. I, I'm going to be a negative person and say that we lose both, but when we meet them again in March, I will have a different feeling about that one. Ooh. Intrigue. Forgot. <laughs> Forgot about that whole tournament that happens after the season. <laughs> I think we lose a close one at the Wells Fargo Center, and then we lose another close one at the Rock, but we get a revenge later. But that's yeah. also, I'm just crafting this beautiful narrative in my head. When we just <laughs> seen I, yeah, I don't see any way either of those games are not close. Like, they're, you know, the, the style of both teams, unless we turn into some run-and-gun team this year, which, you know, pray for, pray for me, that would be great. It's just two grinded-out teams, tough defense, going to play at a slower pace. Like, the, it's just going to be going to be two nail-biters. Um and yeah, I would love it. Uh, I would love it if we could get them in, in March for a third time. But how, how do you like this? I think they're going to crap their pants in like the second round of the East <laughs> tournament. <laughs> I know there's a Seton Hall fan out there who's just rage, rage listening to this pod. They'll love that one. <laughs> We've given up our outlooks and you know our analysis and breakdown of each of the other nine Big East teams. Overall, do you see Villanova making it five straight regular season titles? Uh, yeah, hundred percent. I don't, uh, Seton Hall is the big threat. What I worry about with them, if we're kind of looking at this from a macro point of view is consistency. They, you know, they should be able to find that this year with how old they are, but will they? One of the hallmarks, and if you talk to some of the coaches around the league, they'll echo this. What makes Villanova so tough is like, there's just not a lot of off nights. Uh, you're, you're getting their best a lot. They have like one or two off nights a year and you have to be very good to still get them. Can Seton Hall replicate that? I'm, I'm not totally on that bandwagon yet, just given history. But they certainly have the talent, the experience, style of play to, to give us a scare. I think, I don't, I'm trying to think. I was writing down what I was, what I was marking before. I think I said 15-3 and three for us this year. I think I had three splits. I don't think Seton Hall can match that. Yeah, I just don't see Seton Hall matching that at all. Villanova, as we were just went through, we only have them at pegged at three losses in the Big East. Seton Hall, I feel like they're just going to drop a game or two that you're going to be like, oh, wow, they actually lost that game. And I feel that Villanova is really just going to take care of business uh, with the type of games that you expect them to win outside of maybe a couple of tough road games. I'd give them five in a row. Yeah, and the, and the rest of the conference too. Like, you know, we could get caught up in this. Like, you know, you never, never say never, but like the rest of the right. conference historically every year beats the crap out of each other. Right. Um, that, and it's why we win the conference by multiple games every year is because we just we don't get involved in that. Yeah, that's true. So aside from the obvious contender, Seton Hall and challenging Nova, who's kind of your dark horse pick that can, you think will do a little better than expected, maybe even threaten the both of them? Providence. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yes I, and yes, Providence. Yeah. So yeah, I, I think it's just going to be Providence because I just feel that they have the most potential to beat the big boys of the conference. I mean, we I have them I have Villanova losing at Providence. And I think Providence is very capable of beating Seton Hall. So in that regard, I can see them beating the big boys. But then you can also see them losing to the Butlers of the Big East. I think that's what's going to be holding them back. But I still think they have a shot. And Xavier 
Sort of, kind of, not really. I, I don't, I don't know. It, I think a lot depends on the health of Trayvon Blewett. He doesn't really have that secondary cast as, uh, as he did in previous years. I mean, you got Makura, but you know, I just, I don't see Xavier really beating Villanova or Seton Hall uh, to really put themselves into the conversation for a Big East title. Yeah, I, I won't be shocked at Providence. Like, I, I think Seton Hall finishes second, but like. I won't be shocked at all if uh, Providence does. All right. Well, there you have it. From the two Chris's and I, that is all the time we have for today on this episode of the State of the Nova Nation. Don't forget to check out our content at viewhoops.com. We just put up some stuff National Signing Day, maybe a trip down the hypothetical highway, and also a few more season previews and a lot more stuff for our season openers tomorrow. Also, please subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already on iTunes, Podomatic, or on Apple Podcasts. Please follow us at View Hoops on Twitter. On Instagram, too. It's been budding. It's doing – Kelly Smith is doing a pretty good job. Kaylee's crushing the Instagram, by the way. Oh, yeah. I was loving that. Quick shout-out to Kaylee because she is crushing it. Yeah, did you see we, we gained like 100 followers overnight or something? I don't know where the, all that came from. Oh, I was getting, uh, you know, people were like living in my DMs, like, so happy you guys are on Instagram. <laughs> I was like, wait, what? <laughs> we've, we've been hacked. <laughs> As for us, you can also reach us on social media. You can follow me, Eugene Repay, at Repay 5 And you can follow me, Chris Stanziel, at The Stansman on Twitter. And Chris, I'm going to follow you right after we are done recording. <laughs> oh, man, it was love at first sight. Uh, and I am Chris Lane. You can follow me, Chris JJ Lane, on Twitter. Thanks for having me, guys. Oh, thank you for coming on. Great yeah, thanks for you. squeezing us in and your crazy travel schedule. Good luck with all that other stuff. Thank you. Um, I, I hope to be back soon, but we'll, we'll see what the reviews come in. I, I won't be surprised if this is my one and only appearance. The, the people get what the people want, and it's probably not hearing me. I'm sure some Seton Hall fan will raid the comment section, disguised as a Villanova fan, and ask where all of us are. <laughs> It'll be Ryan Sockerman. <laughs> Nova Nation, happy Thursday. I'm hoping that we can hear this again at the end of the year. Three seconds to go across the timeline. Two seconds to go. Jenkins three, right wing to win it. He made it. He made the three.